0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio.
2: If you are starting a company in the travel industry, you may find it very difficult to connect with the right partner to make your business successful. One way of solving that is by being in the right room where you can pitch your business to multiple partners at the same time. An example of that would be a pitch night. Recently, Voyager HQ in New York City held a pitch night for travel founders. Coming up, you'll hear the experience in its entirety. Everything from the pitches, the feedback from the judges, and even the announcement of the winner.
1: From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Hi, I'm John
2: Matson, the Managing Director of Voyager HQ. The first two pitches you'll hear will come from a big data travel company and a mobile platform that gives travelers instant access to their security queue. Welcome to Voyager's Travel Pitch Night. Give yourself a round of applause. Come on, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Right. Awesome. I'm going to get this. I'm going to walk through how this night's going to work. Tonight is about getting to see some really awesome companies talk about what they're doing and getting some real feedback from what the industry feels it needs and what we can do to move it forward together. So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce some of the, uh, some of the crew, uh, the judges here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. This is uh, Carrie from Amadeus for Startups. Everybody give a round of applause for Carrie, our premier sponsor and partner. Thank you so much. Uh, Christoph Allard from Brussels Airlines, thank you again. <laughs> round of applause. Come on, guys. He's got a lot of time and energy. You know, time and energy. Uh, Jillian Morris, founder of Hitless, rock star, instrumental in starting this space as well. And then Werner from Verportal, a co CEO. Give him a round of applause, everybody. Awesome. Awesome, Um, okay, so this is how it's gonna work. There's gonna be um, four criteria that you all are actually gonna be a part of. So uh, business model, fundability, meaning would you invest in it, uh, pitch presentation, and product market fit. Uh, First up is gonna be well-traveled.
3: Hi everyone, I am Samantha Ruiz, the CEO and founder of Well Traveled. And I wanna talk to you today about a big buzzword in the travel industry, and that is data. Because today's current data solutions are outdated. In fact, they don't even inform us with who our customers are. In fact, that's the biggest problem that travel executives say that they face in their digital strategies today. And that's because travel data is incomplete. Data companies have been focusing on click streams and understanding conversion points, but as a result, they only see a small part of the traveler's path to purchase. And we all know, and I'm sure that you guys have heard the word AI a lot lately, and it's gonna completely disrupt the travel industry. But as a result, AI needs a lot of really, really detailed data to work. Well-traveled is going to be a da- is building the data platform that will ent- understand the entire path to purchase. This will mean that we can better understand traveler preferences, create personalized travel experiences, and ultimately increase revenue by driving conversions. Oh. sorry, um, and. To do this, we are used going beyond click streams, so the current path to purchase, data companies look at it like this. You go to a domain, you click around, you go to another domain, you click around, eventually you go to Expedia, you do a search, you leave Expedia, you get served an ad that you don't click on, and eventually you go back to Expedia and purchase your flight. But this doesn't tell us anything about why this traveler wants to go to Seattle or what they want to do in Seattle. All we know is that they want to go to there. But We didn't even know that until they literally told Expedia that they wanted to go. Well, we're using natural language processing to go beyond click streams and identify trends in the user's path to purchase. All right, this means that we can um, fully understand where they are in their path to purchase, what their interests are, what their intents are, all in real time, and we're able to understand where they are in that path to purchase, how far along they are. As you guys know, this is a huge market opportunity. Uh, This year, the, the global travel industry will spend over $44 billion on data and analytics. And over the past three years, the US travel industry will have increased their budgets and data by 512%. Um, As you guys know, there's a ton of travel companies in the US, um, and we're using a data as a service model. So that means that every single travel company can actually incorporate our solution into all of their products and offerings. This means marketing, product, booking, all of these elements can be personalized using our data. We're partnering with a lot of different solutions in order to make this happen. We're partnering with travel publishers to get data in real-time, brands to incorporate our data into their solutions, and finally, we have corporate partnerships as well that are putting our data into their real-time products. To date, data companies have focused on either scale and having huge data sets or detail, which means that they haven't been able to have both. Well-traveled, since we're able to look at the entire path to purchase, can scale our data set as well as get a lot of really, really detailed data on each of those customers. Next. Uh, We have a lot of competitive advantages by doing this. Not only are we able to see the full picture of the path to purchase, but it's a very difficult model to replicate because we have all of these direct partnerships. We're travel-focused, which means that we're able to use our NLP to hone in and truly understand every element of the traveler's path to purchase. Uh, that data set is huge. Um, once again, the data partnerships give us real-time access to data, which means we don't have to rely on look-alike modeling. or one-to- Our data is actually a one-to-one match. And finally, the NLP that we use gives us exclusive insights into the traveler's preference and intent. We have a fantastic team. Uh, My background's in digital media and ad tech. Uh, I also played in the travel influencer space for a little bit. And uh, my technical team has more than 20 years combined experience building full-stack data platforms and leading data teams at startups such as Meetup and Bitly. We have two great advisors as well. We've been really busy. Uh, We launched our closed beta in July. Since then, we've secured 38 partners, uh, including Newstar, which is another data company who's integrating us into their solutions. We've seen a 250% increase within our data set, uh, and we will be launching our first data segments in Q1 of this coming year. We'll be re- launching that in um, publicly in Q1 of 2019. Uh, we're currently looking for fundra- or we're currently fundraising, we're looking for 500K, um, and we're also looking to bring on uh, beta partners, so if anyone's interested in that, please let me know. Oh, and my five minutes is up, okay. Um, <laughs> yep, thank you guys.
4: So in the data conversion space, I think of Sojourn and Adara, both of which you mentioned. What's to stop them from offering a similar product? What's your special extra sauce? Yeah.
3: So a couple things. One is they have built their business models off of a which means that they can limit their data partnerships. They have partners with conversion-focused companies, which means that they are only seeing that final path to purchase and rely a lot on retargeting, whereas we are able to use NLP to get the consideration element as well.
5: With the, you said you closed the beta in July? We launched it in July. You, excuse me, you launched yep. it in July, so you're in yeah. the midst of it. yes. Yeah. Are you seeing, what types of things are you tracking of with your results, with yeah. your partners? Yeah. So
3: our, our partnership, or our, da- our beta that launched was our data marketplace. So we're looking at generating insights right now. And we've generated some really interesting ones. We can identify the activities that people are interested in, the destinations, the budget levels that they have, um, all prior to conversion.
0: What is your customer acquisition strategy and what is your revenue model?
3: Yeah, so our revenue model is data as a service. Sorry, I had to skip through slides. <laughs> um, but we're, da- we're data as a service. So we will be working directly with brands and uh, corporate partners. And I say corporate partners, I mean people like Sojourn and Adara, actually. We aren't an ad tech company. We aren't building those um, platforms out ourselves. We are integrating our data into other people's solutions. So. Um, Expedia, Sojourn, Adara, Newstar, LiveRamp, they can all onboard us into their platforms. We already have Newstar as a partner, and we're currently um, talking with LiveRamp right now and going through the diligence of that.
6: I'm truly impressed. I think that's really uh, the the point what you're doing. I was a bit lost in the, the presentation. <laughs> I <sorry>. apologize. <laughs> now, I have one question. We're talking about big data here, yes. and uh, we know it's difficult and, and uh, it, it requires huge investments. So, are mm-hmm. you planning to collaborate with any big data uh, company specialist to to get to a critical mass and, and and have economies of scale down the road?
3: In terms of specialists, do you mean?
6: that are used to manage such big data?
3: Yeah, so um, our our team, our actual team, is our data specialists themselves. But in addition to that, Newstar, being one of our corporate partners right now, has been extremely helpful with us. Um, they are testing our data across their sets, across their different tools and platforms. Um, like you said, it does require a lot of critical scale. So, what's great about that partnership right now is they're actually giving us results too, which enables us to understand, you know, no, let's not go down that path. Or, like, oh, hey, this is something that they're seeing a really great result in. Yeah, so we're currently focused on just scaling that data set. Um, we won't be doing uh, any revenue generation until Q1. So, pre revenue. Thank you, guys.
2: All right. Uh, next up, I'm really excited to introduce Rebecca Lima, founder of Ment. On October 25th, 2017,
7: JFK T4 had a major meltdown. They lost three security lanes due to malfunctions to their security, which meant four-hour delays for passengers. Let's just say a lot of people took to Twitter, and it was a complete cluster. Uh, My name is Rebecca Lima, CEO and co-founder of MENT, a community-based and data-backed app that enhances the airport experience for travelers. It is no surprise that airports are completely unpredictable and extremely stressful situations. And that's because there's a lack of transparency and information accessible to passengers. Um, And that represents a loss in control. In fact, all right. In fact, 80% of passengers want real-time security wait times that they currently don't have, and 42% of passengers said that the unpredictability of the actual security wait times is what frustrates them the most. That's where our solution comes in. We provide transparency to the traveler, real-time information that improves the visibility of that situation, incentives, because who doesn't want to win any travel prizes? Um, And social sharing allows for accurate information, a um, community-based platform, and also puts the control back into the traveler's hands. So how does this work? Um, So, you can report security wait times, terminal conditions, leave reviews and pictures. You earn points and rewards based off of your engagement. And at the end of each month, you win travel prizes like clear, away suitcases, things like that. Okay, this is a little bit deeper into our product. Um, You can see the security wait time view. Um, Travelers can add their profile where they can add their own home airport, um, see the contest and see all of the achievements that they've done. Um, There's also an airport feed where you can add advisories, um, add photos and post pictures. Um, And you can see the contest, who's sponsoring that contest that month and what the details are. Okay, so it's clear that travelers love posting about their trips. Foursquare and Swarm actually said that airports are the most checked-in locations on their platform, and Atlanta Airport was the first location to hit a million hits on their platform. Uh, Travel is the second most popular post on Facebook, and Skift has reported that by 2020, Gen Z will take 300 million trips a year. And we sit in a really interesting market. Um, We're in the location-based service market, and it's growing year over year. And by 2020, it'll reach 79 billion. Our target market is the 30th busiest airports in the U.S., and we are currently running our beta test at JFK currently, and we found some really interesting early findings. We've had 600 organic downloads just based off of network and also through our social channels, Um, and we've also had Of those people who've downloaded the app, 35% of them actually engaged onto the platform and reported security wait times, which is huge findings for us. So um, we have kind of, we have two separate uh, business models in the short-term and the long-term. Our first is sponsorships and partnerships because that's what powers our contests and all the, um, the monthly support that we have. Advertising, in-app advertising, both location-based and also through our travel sponsors. On the long-term, we're expanding our API so that we can integrate into experiential apps like Ways. Waze. Um, airbnb uber and all these other booking apps and the data cell is really important back to the airports the concessions the vendors because currently they have no way of knowing who's actually sitting at their restaurants or buying their product our progress we graduated from an accelerator we've launched our mvp at jfk we secured some capital We've been in talks with Port Authority on a partnership. um, And we're expanding the app. We're actually launching LaGuardia in Newark um, in about a week and a half. And we're going to be deploying 10 major airports by the end of the year. Um, Our team, I have an aviation background. I graduated from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. My entire network is aviation-based. I've been in the industry for since I was born, (laughs) Um, and I've traveled a lot. So is my co-founder, my co-founder, Kai, who's sitting in the front row. Um, She's an experienced and seasoned road warrior, and this is why we're the best. Any questions from the audience? Of
0: course, you got a lively backup audience there. Oh, I know, <laughs> I paid them. So I, I, I think. Oh, I see. And <clears throat> I think the concept is fantastic because this is real good, real time information for for travelers. But how do you pay your bills? <laughs>
7: And that's interesting because right now we're trying to acquire customers first, um, and that's through the par- partnerships and the sponsorships early on and the in-app advertising where the long-term goal is to sell and license our data and also our API into multiple, um, into multiple companies and things like that. Okay.
0: So for the customer, it's free? So you're, yes. you're looking yes. for other revenue channels? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um,
6: it sounds like the ways of the security line. I yes! Love it. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I had an off at Brussels Airlines two weeks ago, and we were reflecting on how to experience our customer experience at the airport, and we came up with the exact same concept. Uh, and I, I, that's why... I That's don't have a question for you. I have a recommendation. I think that your focus shouldn't be on the airport. Should be on the airlines to really invest as soon as possible in the ability to include as an implant. You are. Uh, app into their airline app so let's additional talk feature. i really i really love it uh, <laughs> thank you and i think as a as a as a gift what is in it for the customer at the end of the day for those who participate and share data you could think of uh, giving the opportunity to access specific barcodes that give access to fast lane services so exactly there is an immediate benefit to exactly. them exactly uh, and
7: lounge passes yeah. and
6: so I think, travel yeah, that's, credits uh, that's great yeah very tangible very nice
5: thanks Do you have, you mentioned 30 30 U.S. airports at this point.
7: Uh, We're not in 30. We're actually going to go there.
5: Are you thinking about global expansion?
7: Yeah, we are. But the real focus right now is U.S. because the problem exists so heavily here like if you look at european airports and also um like any middle eastern airport they actually really focus on uh the customer experience whereas here it lacks a little bit and that's why we're focusing so heavily
4: on us before we expand internationally i i was going to Bring that up because, I, to me, this seems like a business that is hopefully going away as we move towards more automated security checkpoints and things like... I don't know if you've ever flown through Gatwick Airport, yeah, for example, yeah. but it's, it's like the most wonderful experience. Yeah. You just scan your boarding pass, all it can go through... Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've flown Fair. through it as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and so how do you see your product evolving as the market shifts? Yeah, I mean...
7: The, the focus right now is on security, but the real moneymaker is on the other side of security. Um, and that's really like the focus moving forward. But the reason why we're actually focusing on security wait times first is because we want travelers to trust us and trust our information. And that's the key to their hearts right now. Everything else is like the cherry on top. So That's why we're focusing on security wait times first. I've seen many other integrations of what people are trying to do and their focus and it's shifted. And so if we provide upfront value, we believe that customers will come back and for more.
2: Coming up, you'll hear from a management and concierge platform for short-term vacation rental owners and a collaborative itinerary and experienced platform.
8: Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think. But we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics.
4: Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found.
2: Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at TravelIsYourBusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to MouthMediaNetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at TravelBizShow at MouthMediaNetwork.com. Uh, I'd like to introduce Matt Lerner, founder of Metro Butler.
8: How's it going? My name is Matthew Lerner. I am the CEO of Metro Butler. And Before I get into what Metro Butler is, I'll just do a quick highlight on our round right now. We're in the middle of a million dollar raise. It's on a $4 million valuation cap with a 20% discount. This is our second round of funding. We did a seed round uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, so what is Metro Butler? If you think of Airbnb as the world's biggest hotel, we are the front desk, concierge, and maid service all rolled into one. More simply put, if you're looking to rent out your home on Airbnb, we do all the work for you. Uh, I got into this business when a couple of my friends who were consultants talked about how much they were spending on their New York apartment, and they were never living there. So I asked them, why aren't you renting it out on Airbnb? And they all had the same complaints. It's too much work. Uh, I'm I'm in a boardroom or I'm on a flight. I don't know how to price it. So you hear enough of those complaints over and over, and you think, well, maybe I can address this. That's what we did when we built Metro Butler. Um, And we set up a dashboard um, so that people could log in and list the dates that they're going to be gone. We set up the operations and logistics team to help them drop off the keys, clean the uh, home. And then set all of the uh, the rental and booking and payment routing uh, for them while they're gone. Um, so uh, our revenue model is very simple. We take 25% of the listing uh, booking price. Um, we've been doing this about a year and a half now. Um, our average booking is about $1,200. Uh, we take about $300 off of that. We actually make money on the cleaning spread as well, uh, which is nice. We pass that along to the guest. Um, traction uh, over 4,000 nights booked uh, this year. Uh, we've served about 200 properties. Um, and then my favorite stat is right over here. Uh, we've improved our gross margins from 48%, uh, close to 70% since we're doing this just operational efficiency. Um, we track everything on a revenue basis on a trailing 12 month average. This factors out seasonality when you're dealing with travel, people travel to New York a lot more, uh, in the winter on holiday time than they do say in uh, February. So we always show things on a, a trailing 12 month basis. So you can see the health of the business month over month going a year back. Uh, Recent growth, uh, very simple. Um, You can see just uh, the last couple months and the last quarter overall, how we've been scaling. Still very modest, uh, but this has all been organic. We haven't spent any money on advertising, marketing, or sales. Um, This is just some SEO, people referring friends, um, and very simple uh, kind of tester campaigns. Um, One of the reasons why I wanted to start this company in the space that we did is, uh, and this is what's exciting for me, is really just the market size, how large, the market is for vacation rentals. uh, But most importantly to me is how it's outpacing traditional accommodations. So you look at the hotel industry, it's growing 3% year over year. And the vacation rental industry is growing uh, 30% year over year. That means that as we grow and we take a larger and larger slice of the pie, but the pie is also growing bigger, uh, the opportunity to grow um, with the tailwinds um, is just massive and what excites me about this industry. Uh, for customer acquisition, I'll go through this very quickly. We see it as an organic, inorganic, and then alternate revenue stream. Our organic growth is how we're going to be using SDR campaigns and targeting consultants and people in various industries that travel a lot. Um, that will give us a little bit more strength to look into competitor roll-ups and market expansion to other cities. Um, and then that gives us enough power to actually set up the kind of partnerships um, and alternate revenue possibilities, which is selling our dashboard as a SaaS model to property managers around the country, around the world. Um, putting product in our homes. We've already done a deal with Quaker and with Pepsi um, because we have a lot of inventory they want to get in front of people. Um, So this is kind of what you get to after you build out the first part, which is organic and inorganic growth. Um, Our of proceeds is going to be weighted very heavily towards uh, expanding our team and marketing. I'm not going to bore everybody with this. Um, our competitive advantage is pretty simple. Uh, we spent about two years researching the market and setting up our operational um, and logistical kind of hiccups um, to make kind of defensible moats, make it a lot harder for people to get into the market. We also built our own platform. Most people use like off the shelf white label services from other companies. We built our own calendar that connects via API to Airbnb and 30 other rental sites. Uh, our projections of the next two years are relatively modest as far as startups go. Um, this is going to be due to going to a couple of other markets to really just two or three and then one or two roll-ups. So we already have our sights set on who we're going to be trying to acquire. Um, and we're going to be able to get to those kinds of revenues in the next two years. But I believe that's really just a smaller opportunity. The larger one to me is just the market itself. When you look at how many people are now starting to stay at Airbnbs over hotels and how that market is growing and the number of nights booked on Airbnb as a whole. And the number of people that are now increasingly more comfortable with renting out their homes. We sit at the nexus of these two markets. That's how we make our money. It's an acceptance of the marketplace and it's also a validation of it and people spending time and money into renting out their homes and then renting out other people's homes. Um, exit strategy flows from there. Um, there's a lot of obviously different uh, verticals that we're looking at, but it's corporate travel companies, it's uh, the booking companies, it's hospitality companies. They're investing in this space. They want to diversify their inventory, and we're the company that's going to hopefully be able to make that move in the next couple of years. That's it. I, th-
5: I think I saw on your site you have two different models or two different... Mm-hmm. More service versus less service. How do yep. you how do you actually um, resource that? Like,
8: sure. So we hire contractors um, to go and do the cleanings and the key drops. Um, our full service model uh, is twenty five percent of the booking. That's our kind of bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started offering light service where we just do key drops and uh, cleanings as an a la carte service. It's a lead gen for us. We had enough people that said to us, Hey, can you just do a key drop for me? And when we started, we just said no every time because it's not worth it. We realized that we can charge them, you know, 50, $60 to drop off keys and then start marketing to them, get them converted. So that's what the light services for.
5: Yeah.
4: Okay, cool. Thanks. As someone who has managed a property, um, at times, I know that there's just a lot of incremental stuff that comes up that's very hard to model. Mm -hmm. Um, And, for example, One Fine Stay takes a 50% margin. You're looking at 25%. How are you able to be so much more economical than them? Sure. And, uh, you know, what makes you think that that's going to be defensible as you scale? Sure.
8: So what One Fine Stay doesn't tell a lot of people is they actually carry a lot of the inventory themselves. They act like they do it for a lot of clients, but a lot of the time they will sign a lease carry the home, and then rent it out for a spread, and they make money that way. But that obviously is into their margins. Um, we don't have any sort of operational costs other than paid labor. So, our costs are really just our cost of goods sold, and it's going out there and paying people to do the labor. So, I, I think that answers your question, just as far as the margin goes, why we have 70% margins on just a 25% uh, take. But uh, you know we don't really have any costs associated with the business. Obviously, that's going to change as we start to spend money on sales and marketing. Um, but That still isn't going into the property itself.
6: Yeah, a question. Uh, recently, we saw Lufthansa partnering with Airbnb uh, on specific deals. Uh, any potential for you to step in? To N9 work directly with Airbnb? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so
8: that was never a target of ours. And obviously, if they came in and said, hey, you know, I'll make you really rich if you come work for us, I'd say sure. But uh, that I, I don't think that that's going to be what makes the most sense for them. Um, when we started this, one of the reasons we did it is because we knew that Airbnb wasn't going to do this. Um, Airbnb tried to about a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, and they stopped. The reason is they had to play the middleman between the guests and the hosts. um, And we don't have to do that. Our client is the host. We make no bones about it. We defend them when there's a guest issue. We hold uh, security deposits from the guests if they damage something in the home. The host is our client, and it makes it very easy for us to make decisions as far as any disputes. Airbnb is a marketplace. They need to keep... Guests and hosts equally happy. It became very tricky for them. It's why they stopped doing it. Um, I personally think that the partnership is going to come from a corporate travel desk, or an OTA, or a hospitality company, um, because I think our interests are a lot more aligned with them than Airbnb. Airbnb is great for us because it's free marketing. You know, that's how we get our our listings on there. But I have no interest in competing with Airbnb and creating my own marketplace. And I don't think that we're the right partner for them. Other than the fact that we just bring business to them.
0: I have a question in two parts. The first one is, why would I book with you instead of Airbnb as a consumer? Number two, as a property owner, why would I rent my property through you rather than Airbnb?
8: Sure. So we're not a marketplace. So when you go, I'll do the second part first. When you're a guest and you go onto to Airbnb... You're going to book the property that looks the best with the best reviews, and nine times out of 10, that's probably going to be one of ours because we're professionally managed and our reviews are really good and our response time is really quick. So you're not going to MetroButler.com to rent your home. You're going to go to Airbnb or VRBO or HomeAway and rent your home through them. Just a lot of those properties happen to be ours. Um, as far as a, a host, which is the second part and the first part of your question, uh, a host is going to use us because they don't want to do the work. So they're, we're still going to list the home for them on Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, and all the other sites. I mean, we're on like 30 sites. But um, they're going to use us to do the work, not to get better visibility because we put it on those platforms
0: anyway. And, and how do you get that across to the customer? How do I get what? How do you get it across to the customer?
8: How do we get that concept across to the customer? Yes. Uh, we, like, on a sales basis or yes. like? Yeah, so... So far, we've just been doing a little bit of SEO and referral programs. Um, Right now, uh, we're starting to hire salespeople to go out there and target through LinkedIn, uh, Craigslist, um, a number of real estate companies, people who are listing their homes, or people who travel a lot, um, and we just use it directly. So we're working with real estate brokers who have listings that aren't moving, uh, consultants and people that are in entertainment or international finance who travel a lot, um, and those make good clients for us.
5: Have you run into any situations where people – as you're gathering customers are asking for you to do more. Are you seeing opportunity outside of what you're already doing in your two models?
8: The the thing that we see the most is people who are light service and they ask us, oh, can you do, you know, can you stay there until three o'clock in the morning because my person got delayed, or can you also do my laundry? And we just push them to full service. So it's the reason why we set up the light service. But as far as the full service clients, they're they're I think a little easier than you might think. They just don't want to be bothered. So they want to come back to a clean home and they wanna make money and it's kind of an interesting client relationship because rather than them paying us, even though they're paying us 25%. They go away, we do the work, and they come back, and their bank account has more money in it. So psychologically, it's, uh, it's a little more palatable for them.
2: All righty. Good job, Matt. Um, all right, up next, we have the founder of UMapped, Lisa. Come on down.
6: Now just click to the right and point it towards the computer.
9: Hi, I'm Lisa Azraelovich, CEO and co-founder of Umap, and I'm getting over laryngitis, so please bear with me. If you can't hear me, just, Carrie, raise your hand. Craig Krieger, the CEO of Virgin Atlantic, said that innovation is not always about technology. It's about considering the human experience. Yet, our industry continues to deliver fragmented solutions to customers that are often transactional, highly impersonal, and very much disjointed. We've all been there as travelers, as consumers, in terms of organizing travel. It's not really that easy. But if you put yourselves as you are in the shoes of the travel companies, it's even harder to connect the data when these travelers are going through all these six typical stages of travel, from dreaming all the way to traveling. Itinerary management is the glue that binds all of this together, and so if you're a travel-facing company, if you're a, if you're a consumer-facing travel company that's looking to stay engaged with your customers, this is essential technology. The first slew of B2C itinerary management apps did a really good job basically organizing bookings, and consumers show that they like that. And now Google's adding to the mix, and they're starting to engage with your customers as well. We started by creating the first B2B2C collaborative itinerary experience for travel companies that helps them stay engaged with their customers before, during, and after their trips. We partnered with leading consortia and GDS companies, thank you, Carrie and Ambedeus, who helped us connect to their marketplace and power this experience for their customers. We started with TMCs and tour operators not by accident, because we knew that they would help us build out from the core this experience that we could then expand on, which we're in the process of doing today with online travel suppliers and technology partners. Customers whose apps are being powered by UMAP are building loyalty with customers, capturing additional revenue, and boosting productivity. In fact, Travel Leaders Group just this week actually took home gold at the Magellan Travel Awards for their mobile app, which is powered by UMAP. We have two products, and we do offer a white-label experience, but we're very much an API-driven technology that, in essence, is consolidating a lot of fragmented data and then delivering a really great, real-time interactive experience for the customers, either white-labeled for the customers that we work for or integrated into their own applications through the API. Travelers are able to access their itineraries on any device and discover relevant, personalized suggestions at the right time in their journey. Over three billion air travelers gives us a global addressable market of over a billion dollars. But it's not just about UMAP. Putting personalized, curated offers in the hands of your travelers allows you to capture an additional portion of revenue while they're in destination and also collect better data about your customers. We're monetizing with license and subscription fees. And uh, for a company at scale, it's really a nominal subscription fee that you're paying for the immense opportunity to stay connected with your customer and and earn that incremental revenue along the way. The world's largest travel providers today are telling us that they're ready to connect, to sell, and to engage. And our team is excited to help them. Thank you. I'll be glad to answer your questions. I hope you can hear me. Can you speak a little bit more about
5: how your team's expanding? I know that you—I mean—you've got a great footprint and you are scaling. So,
9: yeah. So uh, we're ba- we're a Canadian company. We're based in Toronto. Um, initially, um, as we were working with the TMC space and with the tour operators, we really built out very much internally. In the last uh, little while, as we've been expanding into some new segments in the market, um, we looked at bringing in people from our team who have immense relationships, expertise uh, on the aviation side um, in really a lot of different spaces who are really helping us through, um, I guess, the growing pains that we're, we're wonderfully enjoying um, and also suffering at the same time with.
4: So you mentioned your B2B2C. Uh, do you have a dedicated app, or you are in the experience of the companies that you're working with?
9: So we're either in the experience in in in... Many cases, in some cases where they don't have an itinerary solution, we provide them with a white label solution. So um, it's it's not just a mobile app, but they can uh, white label the mobile app experience. Uh, there's also a progressive web app that's part of the experience. It's very much about mobile and online, not just downloadable experiences as well. Um, but the, I mean, looking at sort of the app within an app, um, API driven strategy is really where we're scaling today.
6: Yep. Uh, one question on my hand. Uh, you are very much mapping all already existing experiences. That's all about convenience, putting everything together and, and, and improve the uh, traveler journey. Uh, how do you envision to stay ahead of the competition by having truly unique experiences that are only available via UMAP?
9: I mean, it's it's such a great question and such a tough question. Um, you know, part of part of our job is aggregating a lot of content, right, from from different um different companies in the industry. And I think it's really, um, it is the art of curation. Um, it is about um, looking at what well, we've built, you know, really proprietary deep offer management platform and figuring out how we really curate within the supply source. Um, I don't know that UMAP's gonna necessarily have different supply available than other companies will, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of our value add that we're seeing with different companies is about the fact that we've aggregated a lot of this data, but it's not just about that aggregation, it's about being able to then really dive a little bit deeper into really curating what's right. And it goes back, I don't know if you remember my presentation, but the true social collaborative approach, which is what really differentiates us compared to all these other data aggregated itinerary. Yes, we aggregate data, but on top of that all, you have to enable the a conversation back to that customer, for them to tell you what they're looking for. Um, And that, I think, is one of our bigger differentiators. Not necessarily that we're gonna have different content, um, if you will.
0: Uh, Once booked, pre-departure or uh, in-trip, consumer-facing, if I use your application, can I make changes through your application? I can change a flight, I can change a hotel reservation, and then the whole itinerary will be adjusted accordingly?
9: There, there is some of that. I mean, because we're working B2B, there is some sensitivity from our customers about what they want travelers to be able to change. So right now you're not able to change a flight, but you are able to communicate back and chat to request for that flight change. Um, So I think the technology is available, but you can certainly also build, you know, on on the experiences and add new experiences. And it is very much about, from a revenue standpoint, growing attachment rates for companies to be able to attach additional revenue on top of their core products and be able to capture a percentage of that in-destination spend that they're not currently seeing from their customers.
0: So you're just an interface with the supplier?
9: Well, I would say... A little bit more than an interface, but certainly a GUI interface that brings a lot of relevant stuff together and makes life easier for the travel.
0: Okay, so, if for instance, I would like to shorten my trip. Mm-hmm. I want to return a day earlier. Yeah. As I complete that transaction, will the hotel reservation automatically be altered as well? It will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
9: yeah, it, it is, it's all real-time. It's all live updated. It's just that our customers sometimes do put limits on what they enable. Uh, I was booking a, a trip to Portugal the other day. It was funny. Uh, uh, through Tap Air Portugal. And uh, I hadn't completed my purchase, and they kind of stopped me from do, I had to call somebody up to get something done. So sometimes we encounter, um, I think, our limitations in terms of what we can do as a technology based on our customers. We're very much customer-driven.
0: And the, t- the $0.10 cents per trip is paid by whom?
9: By the travel companies that that license the technology from us. Yeah, not by the travelers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for being with my voice.
2: (laughs) Coming up next, the announcement of the winner.
3: If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network. A podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness. And lifestyle. To explore opportunities to partner, email us at podcast at mouthmedia And now on with the show.
2: All right. Last but not least, we have Ayal, uh, uh, VP Business Development for Riskified.
10: Give a round of applause, guys. Thanks. Which one? Well, I was going to talk about fraud in travel, but I'm thinking of raising money for flipping slides in the presentation. This one, yeah. Okay. So fraud in travel, right? If you're selling online, you're going to deal with fraud as the merchant, and if you're a consumer and you ever got declined online, it's probably because either the payment system or the fraud system wasn't optimized, right? So if we if you look at the ecosystem today, we have airlines and OTA in the middle, and they're basically affected by two big forces that are affecting them. Business requirements, right? You're selling online tickets, you might introduce hotels, you're expanding to new geographies, you have chatbots trying to sell on your channels, right? And you obviously have the fraudscape that's le- the landscape that's changing. So you have frauds are getting better and better, data breaches, and you have to keep up with them. And if those two forces are acting on you, what's usually happening is that you get an unoptimized experience internally for the airlines and OTAs. And we see three problems emerging out of that. You have problems of chargebacks, right? You just pay money on fraud. You have false declines, meaning someone good booked online, you didn't know it was a good customer, you are afraid to approve him, you declined him because you are afraid of the chargeback, the liability. And friction and operational costs. Friction is when people ask you to send a picture of your credit card standing to approve the order. Operational costs, we'll discuss in a second. So, to dig in a bit deeper, there's nothing else to dig in about chargeback. It just costs you money, and for travel with a low margin, it's very important, right? There's also a very big play between chargebacks and profitable routes, right? But let's talk about operational costs. So this is one of our companies we're talking with right now. This is their internal process. So you have an order coming in. Then you have a rules engine. Based on the decision of the rules engine, you can go to manual review. That's people reviewing orders. If not, it can go to automatic decision. It's deemed risky, it goes to dynamic 3D secure. Dynamic 3D Secure gets approved, but then it still goes to a manual review because you don't want that being counted against your Visa and MasterCard rules. And the problem is that every time you try to tweak something here, especially if you tweak it here, it affects your entire process. So you you're always, do I need more people? Can I tweak the rules? Am I going to integrate another data provider? And it's a nightmare. So that's one problem. Let's talk about what a false decline is. So this is a real order we approved. This is a 166 euro ticket from France to Spain and back one week in advance, considered semi-risky, credit card from Spain, billing address in France, booking from Algeria and a very high risk score on the IP. So we were pretty easily able to approve this order because we look at a lot of other data points And that is probably an order that will get declined on a lot of systems today, or will go to manual review and cause a lot of friction with the customer. That's a false decline. So we talked about three problems. False declines, one, chargebacks and operational complexity. So let's talk about what happens when when Riskified removes those problems, right? So we have a $2 billion OTA client. They start with us... kind of hidden the numbers because I want to expose their name, but in general, it's the line that they started out with us with a 94% approval rate, jumped to 97% approval rate, 3% lift in sales. And you can imagine what that does to their margins because it's on hotels and airlines, and we approved a lot of their profitable routes and products. We eliminated their entire chargeback liability saved more than $4 I just put that number in. So basically we gave them an optimized experience. Higher approval rates, zero chargeback, and a consistent performance. So what do we actually do? So we try to solve the problems we just discussed. So for chargeback, we give a 100% chargeback guarantee by us on every order we approve. People send us their orders, we say yes or no. If it's yes, your chargeback protected by us, comes back as a chargeback, we'll refund the money. False declines, we give higher approval rates than our customers have. Our statistics usually show that when people send us their decline orders, we approve 30 to 70% of those orders. And we don't contact customers and we don't do it. We a review team. We do it all using our technology and pricing is aligned to our customer's model. We only charge on approved orders. We don't make any money if we decline an order. So let's talk about some what the experts are saying about us, and you might think this is a consulting company, but it's not. It's what, let's jump twice, the fraudsters, right? These are dark web fraud forms. This is Farfetch is one of our customers, a physical goods customer, and I'm trying to call Farfetch over the phone. unlikely to succeed, use risk to screen suspicious orders. Why not try something unprotected, right? So they move on. Yeah. Last thing is Nike and Foot Locker. And this is our customers. (laughs) Questions?
4: I mean, it's hard to argue with numbers like that. that, That's great. (laughs) Um, But you didn't tell us anything about why you're able to guarantee better results than the other risk? Yeah, so basically
10: it's very simple. Um, Fraud is a tough thing to do. Companies never allocate enough time internally to do it, right? We have a 250 people R&D team around data science and fraud experts and machine learning and every buzzword in the industry, and I'm not going to repeat it. And we've been doing this for the last five years, so we're very good at it, and it's just a matter of whether you outsource your fraud operation or not, or whether we can help on a subset of orders. And five years ago, people were less open to it. Now the industry is underst- understands that this is something you can actually, at least for a subset of the orders, you can outsource and get better performance.
0: You uh, you you're uh, giving a hundred percent guarantee on chargebacks, right? Yeah. What's your claim right now where where you really have to pay chargebacks
10: we're profitable on our customers so basically the amount we charge them which is a percentage fee of the order versus the amount we owe them on chargebacks we owe the, we we pay them back is always more and you know that the model is very asymmetric we charge a very low fee on orders and the chargeback is the full amount so, we have to I, be really good. I understand. Good. My yeah. question
0: was maybe I have to rephrase it. How many chargebacks do you really have to pay out because you, you failed to protect it?
10: It depends on the customer type and the industry, right? So, when we review someone's decline orders, right, all the orders that they deem high risk, they went to manual even decline. We charge more money. And certain verticals have different fraud, right? So, travel, I would say, is around between a zero, around 0.1, 0.2 in average chargebacks, luxury fashion, which is probably more fraudulent, or the highest fraudulent is gift cards, you're talking about maybe 0.3, 0.4, 0.5% chargeback. But again, it's, it's a risk-based model. You approve more, you take more risk, you can charge more.
5: What's the what's the process you go through when you engage with a customer and travel for an implementation
10: timeline or figuring
5: out um, we are the back rules around
10: API? They send us the order details. We go, we do our thing. We gave back a yes or no answer. I would say a month of integration end to end, where basically you integrate within a few days and you do data validation another three weeks, and you're done.
6: Uh, I have a straightforward question for you. Sorry, uh, uh, 55% of our revenue is Africa. Uh, some OTA blacklists 50% yes. of our African destination. Right. What do you do for me?
10: Are you are we talking the Nigeria thing again? No, well, <laughs> not, not Nigeria, but the. Yeah. Many no, others. look, we operate globally across 200 countries and. We always, we do Brazil, which is probably one of the f- most fraudulent regions in the world, and we take on people's Brazilian decline. So Africa is something we do. Again, not, Nigeria will probably not have the approval rates you're going to see in Europe, right? But still, on every subsegment of orders, we can approve more. But my
6: question is that yes. some OTA blacklisted up front. That's so stupid. That's so like it's, doing it's a no go.
10: Yeah, that's a, but yeah, I mean that's like <laughs> blocking <it> good <laughs> customers, right? It's like doing AVS restrictions. If the AVS doesn't match, you block the order. And then you go internationally in travel, it's not the relation. It's not that relevant and you don't know what to do because you don't have the AVS system. Or if you black IPs from a building in New York because you got a chargeback and you just blocked 5,000 people. All those restrictions do not make sense and that leads to an unoptimized experience. Not only
2: did the participants of the Voyager Travel Pitch Night, which was powered by Amadeus, have the opportunity to connect with partners in the room, but the winner also received over $15,000 worth of valuable startup resources. And now, the winner. All right, guys, we actually have a winner. Whoa, look how fast that was. Amazing! It's like we went out to space and back and we got a winner out of it, it's amazing. Um, All right, everybody, I'd like to make this announcement. The winner of tonight's pitch night is Matt Lerner with Metro Butler. You wanna say a couple
8: words? Thank you for everybody who voted. Thank you very much. I have nothing else to say. Uh, if you want to give me money, I'll take money, but uh, as far as words of encouragement, I'll pass on that. Thank you so much, guys.
2: As always, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Travel Is Your
1: Business. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.